This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. We have been, for the past four weeks, uh, we have been working with the concept of how to pray. We've talked about prayer from a lot of dimensions, and today we'll finish that series on how to pray. Today we're going to talk about how to pray to forgive. How to pray to forgive. And I, I think that when, when you listen to the words that Kai read a moment ago, you realize that perhaps... One of the most important pieces of the Lord's Prayer is the line that says in verse 12, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It sounds like to me that you cannot be forgiven unless you are willing to forgive. And yet it's hard, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's really difficult. And sometimes it's easier to ask God to forgive your sins than it is for you to forgive the sins of others committed against you. Debbie Cervais was a 16-year-old girl that grew up in Madisonville, Louisiana. In the year 1980, she and her boyfriend Mark were abducted at gunpoint by two angry men. Debbie was repeatedly raped that night, and Mark was shot in the head and left for dead in a remote part of South Alabama. For more than 30 hours of captivity, Debbie did not know whether she would survive the ordeal or not. Miraculously, she was released by her captors, and her testimony was instrumental in helping authorities prosecute the two perpetrators. One of them, Robert Willie, was eventually executed in the Louisiana State Prison five years after his conviction. The other man was sentenced to life in prison without parole. But even the justice of punishing these two vicious criminals did not free Debbie from the prison of her mind and her emotions. She writes in her remarkable book, Forgiving the Dead Man Walking. She said, for so many years, my reluctance to forgive was like a darkness inside of me a barrier that barred my joy and love and so many good things in my life. But forgiveness smashed that barrier and enabled me to experience the giving and receiving of love again. When I read Debbie's story, I remarked to myself that it reminds me of this important principle as we get started this morning, and that is that forgiveness is hard work. Forgiveness is hard work. It's not easy. It's not something that is flippant. And sometimes, as I said before, we find it easy just to let it go and not forgive. For more than 20 years, I have been in love with a story in the Bible that I have read about, I've preached, and I've taught about it, and I wrote a book about it because I love the story of Joseph. His story is an amazing example of what happens to us when people do things to us. Now, if you don't know the story of Joseph, 
I would encourage you this month to read it. 13 chapters of the book of Genesis have been devoted to the life of Joseph. There's six characters in the book of Genesis. And there's more about Joseph than any of the other characters. Which leads me to understand or assume that God really wanted me to notice Joseph. You read about Joseph. He was one of 12 sons born to a man named Jacob. I have said many times that Jacob's family put the funk in dysfunction. If you read about them, you realize that there were 12 sons born to them, but there were two wives and two handmaidens. So four women were involved in the birthing of these 12 sons. The last two, Jacob and Joseph and Benjamin, were born to Rachel, who in fact was the only woman that Jacob really loved. It's a crazy story because when, Jake, when Jacob was trying to find a wife, he went to live with his mother's brother Laban. And he had two daughters. And so uh, Jacob fell in love with Rachel. And he said to Laban, what would you require for me to marry your daughter? And he said, you must work for me seven years and then you can marry Rachel. Now, can I just stop right here and tell you this? That thins the crowd out of boys wanting to marry your daughter. You have to work for me seven years to marry my daughter. But that's how much Jacob loved Rachel. So he did. He married, he, he worked seven years and was excited it was time for him to get Rachel as his wife. Except he woke up the next morning and he's not laying beside Rachel. He's laying by not me bow-legged uh, Leah. And he goes to Laban and said, what is this con? And he said, well... There's a problem. She's the older daughter and we can't marry off the younger daughter until the older daughter has been married. So you're married to her. But if you'll work seven more years, you can marry Rachel. And the Bible said he did. Fourteen years. That's how much he loved Rachel. So these two children that were born to Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin, were his favorites. And because of that, the other ten boys resented them. And resented their father. And there were all kinds of crisis in this family. And Joseph, the, the younger of the last two sons, he was so favored by his father that his father gave him a coat that was a coat of many colors which symbolized this special relationship with his father. And his brothers, the Bible said, hate him. They just don't despise him. They hate him. And on one occasion when he comes out to the fields, they lay hold of him. They drop him into a hole. They take his coat of many colors and they dip it in blood and they go back to their father and they tell their father, your son's been killed. It will be 22 years before Jacob will see Joseph again. Such was the betrayal of his own brothers. Now listen, I've got a brother. He's probably going to listen to this because he listens to our podcast very Faithfully, I love my brother. We haven't always agreed. We've had our moments. There have been days I wanted to knock his block off. But I have never sold him to anybody. That's what they did. They sold their brother into slavery. He would spend 13 years in this nightmare of a life. He was first sold and given to Potiphar. And he became the chief of staff eventually in Potiphar's house. 
And then Potiphar's wife lies about Joseph, telling her husband that Joseph tried to sexually assault her, and he put Joseph in jail for something he didn't do. He spent several years in that jail, met a guy who worked for the Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the earth, and he says to him, listen, I don't deserve to be here, and if things get better for you, would you please remember me? But he didn't. Because the next verse said, two years later, Pharaoh has a dream about fat cows and thin cows and fat ears of corn and thin ears of corn. And then the man remembered Joseph. And he says to Pharaoh, there's a guy in your prison over here who has the power of God and he knows how to interpret dreams. And so they bring Joseph out of prison. He stands before the most powerful man of the earth. And from there the sequence goes that eventually Joseph welcomes his father and his brothers back into his life. When those boys come back, they are frightened to find out that Joseph is still alive because they know what they did. They understood the crime they committed against their own brother. And they are fearful that Joseph now who has power and authority will exact his revenge on them. And what you read in the story of Joseph is how powerful forgiveness is because Joseph forgave his brothers before they ever asked him to forgive. He decided that his life would not be defined by the experiences that had gone on because in fact Joseph's family was his enemy. Think about that for a moment. Your family is your enemy. Some of you know that. You know the burden of that. It's been a long time since you went to a family reunion. You haven't spoken to your siblings in years since the last blow up. You don't hang around with your family. You move on. You've cordoned off that piece of your life and decided that you won't have anything to do with it. It's just too painful to deal with. Well, jo Joseph speaks to you this morning. He speaks to you about the power of forgiveness and how you are able to overcome the pain and put the pieces of your life back together. So out of the story of Joseph in Genesis 13, I want to offer you just a couple of statements and then we'll be done. Here's the first one. Forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness is costly. Because Joseph has every reason to get even with his brothers. In fact, let me ask you this question. Have you ever made the statement, I'll get even with you if it's the last thing I do on the earth? Don't raise your hand. But think about the statement. Is that really what you want to do with the last minutes of your life is get even? What forgiveness costs you is that when you decide that you're going to forgive somebody, you give up the right to get even with them. You're not, you're not, when you forgive, you're not saying that it's okay that you stepped on me. You're not agreeing that what they did was okay. But you take the exception that I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to give up the right to get even, even though it is my right to get even with you. To do to you what you did to me. To make you hurt the way that you hurt me. But forgiveness so powerfully says, I will not try to get even. I will give up that right that I have 
to get even. That's what Joseph said in Genesis 50, verse 19. He said, do not be afraid, talking to his brothers, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about the present result to preserve many people on the face of the earth. Author Gary Chapman says, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision to offer grace instead of demanding justice. So forgiveness is costly. Second of all, to refuse to forgive is hypocritical. To refuse to forgive somebody is hypocritical. Notice what Kai read to us. Lord, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So in essence, we're saying to God, please forgive me and in return I will forgive others. It's hypocritical to accept God's forgiveness for your own sin, but refuse to forgive someone who sins against you. Jesus tells a story, a powerful story in the book of Matthew chapter 18 of a man who owed an enormous amount of money. The creditor said to him, pay me what you owe me. And he says, I can't, my Lord, I don't have the money. When I looked it up, it, it is the equivalent of today's money of approximately $2 million. This man owed this creditor $2 million. He said, I don't have the ability to pay you. He said, well, then you're going to jail. I'm going to throw you into jail because you're not paying your bills. And the man pleaded with him, please have mercy on me. Please have mercy on me. I cannot pay you. The master said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to grant you mercy and I'm going to wipe your debt off of the books. You don't have to pay me back. I'm wiping your debt off of the ledger. What a moment. What a moment. It would be like your bank calling up and saying, hey, listen, no, you don't have to pay for a house anymore. It's all paid for. Would, would you have problems accepting that? No. You'd think it's a prank call is exactly what you would. That's what he did. He just said, hey, you don't have to, you don't have to pay me back. I'm going to just go ahead and wipe it off the books. Then Jesus said that same man who had just been forgiven went out and found a man that owed him approximately $2,000. A debt of $2 million had been wiped off my slate. I, a man owes me $2,000. And he grabs a hold of the man and demands, pay me what you owe me. And the man says, I cannot pay you what I owe you. Please have mercy on me. Same appeal that he had just made to his own master. And the man said, well, if you can't pay me, you're going to jail. And so he had the man arrested and placed in jail. And someone came back to the original master and told them what had happened. And the man drug him back in before him and said, did I not forgive you of an incredible debt? And if so, why could you not forgive this man of such a small penance of money compared to your own? He said, here's what we're going to do. You're going to jail too, and you will stay there and be tormented every day until you pay me back. First of all, how stupid was that? That he had been forgiven for $2 million and now it's back on the books again. Because he did not show the same compassion and mercy to someone else. Now, brothers and sisters, listen very carefully to what I'm saying. We have been forgiven of all our sins. 
the moment that you confessed your sins to Christ, the moment that you told the Lord you were sorry and sincerely meant it, you know what happened? God forgave you of all your sins. I still remember the day when Billy Walter and I were meeting with a young man that Billy knew that came in for prayer. We were sitting in the office in the old Antioch Road property, and I said to that young man, I said, the moment that you tell God you're sorry, he forgives you of all your sin. And he had this look on his face. He meant, all of my sin, all of it. Everything you have ever committed in your lifetime. He's like, I, all of it, all of it. The Bible said he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sin. Sitting here today, we are forgiven. It's why we sing. It's why we rejoice. It's why we're excited. Because we have been forgiven of all our sin. How can we refuse to forgive someone else? You say, oh, preacher, but you don't know what they did. No, and I don't. I don't presume to know that. But I know that you cannot accept the incredible grace and mercy of God like has been given to you and refuse to forgive them no matter what they did. To refuse to forgive is hypocritical. Third and finally, forgiveness is the release that begins healing. It's when you start Forgiving, when you pray to forgive, when you allow God to work in your heart and you start forgiving. Now listen, I didn't come here today to be a smart aleck. I came honestly as a fellow believer. I've had my moments when I've had to seek forgiveness and I've had to be humble before people and say, I am so sorry for what I did and I ask you to forgive me. And sometimes it's more than just words. It has to be action. It must sometimes take time. And trust and forgiveness is not the same thing. And sometimes when people have hurt you, it takes a while. And sometimes you may never regain the relationship that you had before. You may never want that relationship again. But you still have to forgive in your heart so that you can be healed of the pain. One of my favorite parts of the story of Joseph is the Bible says that toward the end of the story, he said Joseph had two sons. The oldest of those sons he named Manasseh, which means the Lord has made me forget all the trouble in my father's house. Joseph grew up in a dysfunctional home. I wouldn't, I'm not trying to mislead you or make you think something that's not in the text. I, I don't have any reason to believe that his stepmother mistreated him. I don't have any reason to believe that Joseph did not provide, was not provided food and clothing. I don't find any example that he was ever abused by his parents. The only thing the Bible says, his brothers hated him and they betrayed him. But if you grew up in a home like that, if you grew up in an environment where there was dysfunction, maybe you struggled to, with the, the parental relationships that you had. Maybe you didn't feel loved. Maybe you did not feel cared for. Maybe you were abused. Maybe somebody took advantage of you. Maybe somebody did something they should not have done to you. 
Maybe you've struggled to try to find your way out of that. And you have, in some crazy way, you've allowed yourself to be defined by the hurt and the pain and the struggle that you've had to live through. Notice the story of Joseph says he had the first son and he named the first son Manasseh. The Lord has made me forget. You can't see it from where you're sitting, but if it's important, I'll show it to you. There's a scar here at the bottom of my right index finger. This came about from a Coke bottle fight that I had when I was five years old with another boy in the church while our fathers were working on the roof at the church. We grabbed Coke bottles like swords and we had a fight and I got a terrible cut. Now, my father did not believe in going to the doctor or going to the hospital. Any injury you got, you just wrap it up, lay on the couch, you'll be better eventually. And so there were no stitches. It had to heal on its own. You ever tried to hold a bat in your hand when you've got this open wound and everything you touch hits that same spot? It's been decades since that injury. But looking at it this morning, I still remember. So when Joseph says that Manasseh means the Lord made me forget, he's not saying that God wipes away your memory so you don't remember what somebody did. No, like the scar on my hand, he says, it doesn't hurt me anymore. I can peck on it, tap on it. I still remember how I got it but it doesn't hurt me anymore. It doesn't define who I am anymore. That's what it means, to forget. God made me forget. He took away the pain. He healed me from the hurt of the experience that I had, the words that were spoken, the things that were done, the offense that came into my life. God healed me to the point that that pain was no longer what defined me anymore. The second son that he had, he named Ephraim. It's my favorite. The word Ephraim means the Lord has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. It's the story of grace. It's the story of a God who takes you, no matter where you are and what you've, what you've experienced, what you've gone through, no matter what the pain and difficulty of your life has been, no matter how harshly you've been treated, no matter, no matter how badly it was, a God who is able, if you allow him to help you, when you pray to forgive, Lord, help me to forgive. And in the willingness to forgive, you start a healing process that brings you to an Ephraim moment. The Lord has made me fruitful. You hear Erica Shaw this morning? The Lord has allowed her to be fruitful despite all the pain that she's gone through. You see that little girl that was singing on the platform today, third from the left? If you're new to Lake Erie, then you would not know this, but she and her husband buried a stillborn baby a couple years ago. But in allowing God to work in their lives, you become fruitful in the land of your affliction. It's because forgiveness is so 
powerful. Forgiveness is so powerful and God at work in you allows you to be able to live beyond the experiences of your past. What's defining you? You say to me, Pastor, I'd love to be one of these people up there being baptized in water, but you don't know the house I grew up in. You don't know what my father was like. I talked to a man just the other day who told me his father beat him physically every night father would drink and he would just beat on this boy he said I don't want to grow up to be like my father and I need help what's defining you where what is causing you to be the person that you are you have to be willing to find a way in prayer with God to live beyond the things of your past You say, Pastor, he cheated on me. He told me that he loved me, but he lied because he loved somebody else. And I am so sorry that your life cannot be defined by what somebody else did to you. And I'm not saying that it's easy. It's not easy. But God's grace is sufficient. And God will give you the courage and the power to be able to live beyond it. I think about Moses when he sent at the burning bush and God says, I want you to go to Egypt and I want you to tell Pharaoh, let my people go free. And Moses starts this ridiculous dialogue with God, telling God five reasons why he can't go. I can't do this. I'm not a good speaker. I, the elders of Israel, they don't respect me. And he just goes on. And every time he gives God an excuse, God gives him an answer. See, it's a game that we play when we try to tell God what we want him to believe about us. The problem is he already knows. God already knew why Moses didn't want to go to Egypt. If you know the story, he had killed an Egyptian there, and Pharaoh had put a bounty on his head, and if he goes back to Egypt, he may very likely be killed. And that's the reason he doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to tell God that. That makes him look weak. And we do that all the time. We tell God only what we want him to know. And we are ridiculous because he already knows everything. And so right before Moses leaves, chapter 4, to go back to Egypt, God says to him, Moses, go on down to Egypt. Because all the men there that once sought your life are now dead. You know what he's telling Moses? Yesterday is over. You hear me? Yesterday is over. More than 20 years ago, come on, Pastor Jerome, get ready. More than 20 years ago, I was preaching in a church in the northern part of Georgia. On a Sunday morning, preaching about God's grace and God's forgiveness. Toward the end of that message, a large man, tall man, stood up on this side, and he came running down the front very quickly. He was obviously very broken, tears, emotion, very well. The church had ascending steps. There were quite a few of them up to the main platform. And so he just put his torso kind of at an angle on all those steps, just laid there and began to cry and pray to God. When 
I could, I went over to him and I said, talk to him. Tell me, tell me what we're praying about. And here's what he told me. I wrote it all down in a book so I wouldn't forget it. He said, when I was 16 years old, he said, my father had an affair with a woman on the street that we lived on. And when he told my mother, she kicked him out. And he moved in with the lady down the street. He lived just a few doors down from us with a woman that he was not married to. His absence in our home, the animus between my mother and him drove our family to nearly bankruptcy. We didn't have enough food. We didn't have enough money. My mother struggled, and I hated my father for what he had done. He said, one day on one of the worst days, he said, I went out in the woods behind my house. And I stood in those woods and I raised my fist toward God and I said to God that day, I hate you. I hate you for letting this happen. I hate you for what it's doing to my mom. I hate you for what it's doing to my sister and myself. And I hate you and I will never serve you. I will never worship you. I will never be yours. He said, I walked out of the woods that day, a 16-year-old boy, and I brushed God out of my life with no intention that I would ever seek him or be in a relationship with him. As soon as I could, I joined the military, and I was shipped off to Vietnam. Before he left for Vietnam, he got involved with a girl, and they had a baby. He was excited about that child. He was hoping to return to build a relationship and a life that he wanted while he was in Vietnam, he got a letter from the girl saying she didn't love him. And she had already decided to marry somebody else. and He would need to move on. He said the devastation of that moment drove me to begin to drink. And he said I got terribly addicted to alcohol. And I moved from alcohol to drugs. And he said I was dishonorably discharged from the military because of my drug abuse. He said I came back to the state of Texas found another woman we lived together and we had two children together after some time because of my persistent drinking and drug abuse I lost that relationship I lost custody of the children and I was alone again I bounced from relationship to relationship to relationship and lived a very empty life he said, here I am now, an older man, and I'm down here in this altar one more time. Telling God I'm sorry. That I raised my fist at his face all those years ago. I was just hurting, preacher. I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't mean for God to be so mad at me. I didn't mean for my life to get so derailed, and I didn't think God would hold it against me. But I, I just want God to know one more time here that I'm sorry. I looked at that man. Here's what I said. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, how many times have you told God you were sorry? He said, oh, dozens and dozens of times. I said, I hate to be the one to tell you this. He forgave you the first time you told him you were sorry. You've lived your whole life 
You didn't realize you'd been forgiven. God wasn't angry at you. What happened with those women, what happened with your children, that, that wasn't God. That was you. Your addictions were not God. It was you. Choices that you made, allowing yourself to be defined by something over which you had no control. I'm telling somebody in this room today, God's already forgiven you. I don't know why I feel this way. I'm not trying to be prophetic, but I'm just telling you. You're sitting here today, and you have asked God a dozen times to forgive you for something that you have feel so much shame over. And you don't realize he's already forgiven you. What you have to learn to do is to forgive yourself. You have to be willing to accept the forgiveness of God and know that it no longer defines you. You know what the Bible says about those sins? He says that he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. So if you were to literally say to God, you know that thing I did back in uh, 1983? God would say, I got no recollection of what you said. I don't know what you did. Because I've forgiven you. It's no longer a part of who you are. It doesn't define you anymore. It's a powerful thing to be forgiven. And it's a powerful thing to forgive. You may walk out of this house today and you may have to make a phone call. You may have to write a letter. You may have to make a visit. Make things right. Because unforgiveness is like a poison. In fact, if you bought one of the books out there and you were reading you probably read where Peter Gregg said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and then waiting for the other person to die it's never going to happen you can only control what you can control and you have to learn how to forgive those who sin against you and you have to be able to forgive yourself have to be able to accept the incredible grace of God's personal forgiveness for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, it's a hard thing to admit that the thing that is holding us back is in fact we want to blame somebody else. We want to claim it's somebody else's fault. But God, today, I pray for the courage for men and women, young people in this room today to take that step to be forgiven and to forgive. The two are married together. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray today for every person in this room who carries sin in their heart, in their life, who need to be forgiven by your grace and your mercy. It is the most marvelous thing to be forgiven. And you want that for all of us. And I pray, Lord, for people who have been offended and hurt 
trespassed upon. People who have been taken advantage of by their parents, by their siblings, by their neighbors, by their co-workers. And Lord, it could altogether be possible that some of those people are no longer alive. Some of them are no longer in places where we can have that conversation. So God, do what only you can do. Deliver us as we forgive in our heart. Deliver us from the burden that we've been bearing. I trust you for this today, Jesus. I trust you for my friends in this room and online today who are watching, who need the freedom that comes through forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed, only for a moment. I'm going to ask nobody to look around for just a moment. Please honor me that way. Don't look around. Because I feel like I want to ask this question. And I'm not asking it for myself. I'm actually asking it for you. If you're sitting here today, if you're watching online, if you're listening in a podcast, and you would say to me, Pastor Bill, I have unforgiveness in my heart towards somebody. And I need God to help me. Very quietly, just slip your hand up, put it right back down. Yep, yep, I knew it. I knew it. There's a space in my heart that's not healed because of what I went through. telling every one of you that raised your hand today, there is a God who will help you. And all you have to do is ask in this prayer this morning, ask God to help you. And then just be obedient. Sometime back while I was praying in the old church, I felt so strong that the Lord reminded me of somebody that I had offended and I didn't have peace in my heart that we had cleared the air. And I left that altar and I went and called that person to talk, to apologize. I was just being obedient. And that's what I'm telling you. If you'll be obedient, the Lord will lead you to the forgiveness and to the healing that you need. Just be obedient. The first step is just asking, God, I've got this unforgiveness, and I need you to help me. So you just ask him. Maybe you need to be forgiven. Maybe you're in the room this morning, and you need to be forgiven. You have sin in your life, and you need to ask God to forgive you. Look, here's the promise of God's word. If you will confess your sins. What that means is to say, I'm a sinner. Accept that you're a sinner. Acknowledge that and confess that you're sorry. The Bible said he will forgive you. He will forgive you of all your sins.
to say, somebody did me wrong and they never asked me to forgive. They never came to me. That's what it was with Joseph. He lived 22 years in a world where nobody came and said, we're sorry for what we did. Sorry you're living like a slave. Sorry you're in jail for something you didn't do. But he found his place to forgive his brother so that when the time was right, he could say, it's okay. I'm not defined anymore by what you did. And if you're here this morning and you have been wrestling with someone that did you wrong, maybe it was an unfaithful spouse, maybe it was a, a parent, or maybe it was somebody in your life that stole something, took something, said something, bruised your spirit, wounded you in a way that you've never been able to get over it. You have to start the process this morning to be healed. You can't be what God wants you to be until you're healed from the hurt. Same advice for you as I had for the first group. You just have to ask God to help you. Help me forgive the person who did me wrong. Help me to be obedient to follow you. We pray a prayer at Lake Erie every Sunday for people that need Jesus. And we're going to pray that prayer right now in just a moment. And if you're here and you need forgiveness, if you are sincere in your praying here, God will forgive you. So everybody in the room, repeat after me. God, I am a sinner. I am sorry for my sins. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe Jesus will forgive me of my sins. I choose Jesus. Say it again. I choose Jesus. And if you're in this room this morning and you prayed that prayer and you sincerely asked God to forgive you, Raise up your hand. Okay, God bless you. Keep them up. Yes, yes, yes. God bless you. God bless you. 10, 12, 11, 12. I see 12 hands. 12 hands. Can we thank God this morning? Come on, church. Come on, church. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now look, I recognize, I recognize that some of you, this wasn't your first time, and maybe you've been a Christian and you've just stepped into something and you asked God to forgive you. I'm not trying to imply anything that's not true. But if this was, in fact, a major breakthrough moment for you, you've made a conscious decision to follow after Jesus, Right over there where that sign says, start here, you'll meet two of my friends, Michelle Lewis and Billy Walter. And they have some information and they'll talk with you a little bit, help you to take those next steps. On the screen, you'll see if you text the word SAVE to 440-557-2822, we will start you on a seven-day digital journey. Your next steps to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. Literally, people being saved at our church every week. And we're grateful. We're grateful to the Lord for that. Grateful. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.